Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Hawks Live every Thursday right here from Lumenfield at 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN. It's been a while, Paul, but we are back in action. The folks had a couple weeks off, but now they got to deal with us again. They've been depressed. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I got a lot of people saying, when are you guys back on? You guys said at least, hey, if you're not going to be on Thursday night, then be on during the day. During the day. And I said, look, I don't, uh, they don't, they don't ask me. They don't I ask. Just, hey, hey, we just show up. We do. They tell us to be here at Lumen, and now we are here at Lumen, and we're talking football. And Lumen. We're ta- we're- Is that the first time you've said that? Uh, on air, yes. Yeah. On air, yes. Because it was CenturyLink before that. It, when I was playing, it was Quest and now Link, but now it's Lumen. So that's what we're going to call it, Paul Moyer. And we get to talk about an 8-3 and three football team who went to Philly and got it done. At one point in the game, it looked like it might be what? What was the, the score? 19 to, to 7 or something crazy like that? That two games in a row. 17-9. Yeah, 17-9. That's what it looked like it was going to be, but it ended up 23-17 to 17 in a big re- reason for that offensively was DK Metcalf and defensively it was just a defense they, in a hole by by far their best game yeah and, and actually they've been playing better yeah I would even say the last three and a half games you know we talked about this on the, the pregame on uh, on Sunday you know and now spilling over to this last game their last three and a half games if you take the second half go against Buffalo yep. and, and got the Rams Arizona and Philly uh they're giving up 297 yards a game if you if you took that second half and and averaged it out for, for an actual game so they are playing much better and and against good teams someone said well is it your the opponents I go well, the Rams are a top 10 offense. Arizona was the number one offense. Yeah. Buffalo is a very good offense. The only one that really was struggling was Philly. And we took care of business. And it was still Philly. If you go and look at their points and uh, yards, it's particularly through three quarters, is the worst they'd been all year. So, you know, while they were struggling, we, we made them struggle even more. I, I like what we're doing. It, I feel like we're having fun again. Yes. It, it, it was not fun those first, you know, seven games, six games of the year. You know, you're you're on a historic pace for the worst defense in the history of the NFL, and they've righted that. Matter of fact, uh, if not for that last drive, we wouldn't even be dead last in defense right now, which I said would be hard to do for us to pull ourselves out of that hole because, you know, when you're giving up over 500 yards the first three or four games of the year, that's a tough hole to climb out of. So I think we're back to what we thought we were going to be. We're healthy. You got Griffin. You got Jamal, who now knows his role. We got Dunlap. Um, a lot of good moving pieces. You got Jordan Brooks, the rookie who's, yeah. who's playing well, and Bobby Wagner. I mean, the last couple games. I thought this last game, even though the 49er game early in the year, he made some plays in the sacks. I actually thought this was his best game in the year. Yeah, and turnover, digs, turnover in yep. the red zone. If there wasn't a turnover in the red zone, that would have been 18 straight games that the Hawks did not get a turnover in the red zone. So that was nice to see wow. Diggs. I would like to see him get his ad read on and, and scurry on out that end zone and take it 100, 200, 3 yards. But he, he took the knee. He did the smart thing. But it's nice to see this defense. Offensively, DK Metcalf, man, I mean – Look, they say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take our best corner. He's going to follow you. We're going to press you early. What they do, DK, DK hit him with a couple slants. By the third series, Slay was then playing six yards off. But also in that first series, Slay got a personal foul. One of their defensive linemen got a personal foul. Cheap shot, too. Yeah, that, that, that was, was horrible. That was, DK has a target on his back, and it's just because he's balling. 
Like what? I, I think he makes DBs insecure, Paul. Well, he's a big man. He might make me insecure back in the day. Well, we didn't face anybody that big. I mean, he's six four, whatever. You know, probably close to six five, two hundred. And they say he's two hundred and thirty six, thirty seven pounds. He looks bigger than that to me. You know, the, comparing him obviously to to Calvin Johnson back in the day. Calvin had nineteen hundred yards. I think his sixth or seventh year in the season, which is is remarkable. Yeah. I, I'm gonna ask you this because you know I watched DK and you know he's. As great as he is, man, he's going to get better. Yes, he's he going to get better. He ran a, a a slant and go. I go, eh, he's going to get better in that ride. I didn't sell it very well. At times, he gets a little, I don't I don't, I don't know if the right word's lazy. I just say he doesn't get his hands in the right position, and he drops some easy ball. He dropped one in the end zone. Uh, it would have been an easy touchdown. Um, so what is it? It, it? Everybody knows he's fast. Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily look that fast until you watch him haul down um, Buddha Baker mm-hmm. or you watched him run by Slay, who you go, who could flat out run, right? And he just pulls away. It's effortless. Is it because you think people, it's deceptive speed? They think, oh, I got this. I'm, I'm in a good cushion. Yeah. I think it's, I think it comes down to a stride. Because you look at a big man's stride. He's eating up five yards every stride and a half. Or as a guy like me, 5'11", it's going to take me three, two and a half to eat up that five yards. So when you look at it, it looks like he's not moving that fast until he gets up on you. You know, it's kind of like a like a fastball. It doesn't look like it's coming in hot and then it blows by. You're like, okay, I got to respect that. And I think that's what it is with DK. It looks effortless. So his body language says he's not moving that fast. But then when you feel him, you're like, okay, I got to get on my horse. And that's what happened to Slay. There was a the first big play. Was it the first drive? I think it was the first well, drive. Well, there was a couple. The, well, the biggest play was the fourth drive, third drive, whatever it was. And it was a third down play, and they blitzed. Went up top. And, yeah, yeah they, they the, I think the free safety misplayed it. He dropped down looking for uh, Tyre Lockin on a deep cross. But I think he also thought, eh, Slay's got this. Mm-hmm. He's he, great corner. He, he was on the upfield shoulder. And then he wasn't. They don't believe it. All right, so you're DB, safety, you've done this, right? I feel like defenses don't believe in DK at this point. Now, mm. if you are on the other end, second mm. year, he's got, he got what, 27 games under his belt. Are you buying what he's selling at this point? Well, considering Calvin Johnson is considered one of the greatest, and I, 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 I never want to say someone's the greatest. He's, he's one of the top five greatest wide receivers of all time certainly statistically, he's crushing him the first two years, DK is. He's got more yards, more catches, more TDs. Um, He's he's still got a long way to go to catch some of his, uh, Calvin Johnson's best years. I... I don't. I don't think anybody underestimates him. It's sometimes you underestimate speed mm-hmm. until it's there. And I, I'll give you one example. We were playing Philadelphia back really? a long time ago, probably before you were born. And <laughs> I do the math on that one. And we were playing them, and we're up by six points. There's a minute left. Eugene Robinson and I were playing the the, the deep safeties. And Randall Cunningham is scrambling around. Now Randall's one of the few guys who can run towards the sideline and flick the ball 75, 80 yards. Kenny Jackson is running down the middle. He was one of the fastest wide receivers at the time. Eugene and I both have a a nice cushion, five yards. You know, when I'm in motion, there's not a lot of guys who are going to outrun me by five yards back then. 
man, all of a sudden the ball was in the air, and now it's past 60 yards. Now it's past 65 <laughs> yards. And I we just underestimated that, okay, he's not only super fast. I mean, he, he would beat us by five, six, seven yards in a 100-yard dash. And I just think that's where, where DK is, is. They look at it and they go, yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. He's strong. Um, he runs good slant routes. I just don't think you can appreciate the speed until you're actually live against it. Until and then it. they start. That's where the cushions start to come in. Yeah. And look, I think the Seahawks are going to get so much better. Uh, so let me flip this way. We, we all, all right. know what DK's doing. Okay. It's – Look, he's he's going to break Steve Largent's record most yards in uh, a season. I mean, that's man, you're talking about a Hall of Fame. We're we're here in the Verizon Lounge and we're looking up at the Ring of Honor, and there's Steve Largent way over there. And you know, all, every record imaginable that you know DK, if he stays healthy with the Seahawks, going to break. Um, but what's going on with Tyler? I mean, it's been DK one game, Tyler the next. DK one game, Tyler the next. This is the first time where. You know that didn't switch, and uh, I felt like they 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 were jamming him a little bit, you know, and, and maybe frustrating. You know him. what it is, Paul? What us small us small guys? We got to work harder, baby. <laughs> you come down and presses. It's 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 we're in the same weight class. You know what I mean? You look at Slay. Slay was pressing DK to start the game, then he started backing up, backing up, backing up. When you line up against sixteen, you look at him. You go, okay, I'm gonna get all up in his kitchen. I'm gonna make a sandwich. He's not gonna do nothing about it. So I think when it comes to man, that favorite. DK. You, it comes to zone that favors Lockett, and like you mentioned off air, we're going to see a bit more zone against the New York Giants. So maybe this is the game that Lockett reasserts himself into this offense. This will be a, a an interesting game. The Giants, who are four and seven, uh, they're still fighting for the NFC East. You know, lead. They did lose their quarterback Jones, which is going to hurt him a lot. He's a very mobile guy. I mean, he way more mobile than I even anticipated. And, you know, you got Colt McCoy that none of us knew was still in the league. Is going to be the quarterback this week, but it's going to be a, a it's going to be a patient game uh, that we haven't seen in a while for our offense because they run a true shell cover two, a lot of cover two, soft cover two. Also, they don't have their corners up jamming the whole way, so they're keeping everything underneath, and they're going to make you go 10, 11 plays. Uh, so it could be a lot of Russell to be very patient. It'll come eventually, yeah. but maybe the first quarter two, you're not going to get that big explosive play. All right, you got to be patient. Me and Paul have been patient for two weeks, we but we're back, we're back now, baby. We're back. All right, coming up next, we'll get an opponent preview from Paul Schwartz right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks live every Thursday right here from Lumenfield at 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN with me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer. This music's from the 80s, Paul. You should know this, Paul. It's Look, from you, the know, 80s. you know, it used to pop like, didn't you? Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. You know who might pop like? Paul Schwartz. He's got a good first name. Paul, how you doing, man? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How's everything there? You ready for a uh, battle of first-place teams on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> we, we are, man. By the way, thanks for staying up, man. I know it's late for you back east, and, and uh, thanks for joining us. It is kind of weird, though, that we are two first-place teams. We, we played one last week sort of in Philadelphia, and you forget they're playing for first place. And it's not like they guys are just walking out for practice. So we, we expect a tough game. What about you? Well, um, you know, I would expect a slightly tougher game if uh, Daniel Jones could play. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, look, Daniel Jones is not Russell Wilson, but as you guys know, 
starters are starters for a reason. Backups are backups for a reason. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the Giants and you say they're 4-7. and seven. They should be battling to, what, stay out of last place. But the NFC East is what it is. So um, I think it adds a little something down the stretch. I've covered the Giants for a lot of years. And the last three years, uh, December, these games were not meaningful. They were playing out the string. They were playing in empty buildings. And, you know, when they played uh, another team in a division, they had 20,000 fans from the other team there obviously we don't have fans unfortunately at all this year but um you know these are meaningful games there's playoff uh, implications so it, it adds something to it but we do have to remember it's still a four and seven team still a four and seven team but you got some ballers over there blake martinez he's leading the league or one of the league leaders when it comes to tackles what have you seen out of this guy so far you know what? This has been a tremendous free agent class. Dave Gettleman, the uh, uh, general manager, gets some heat for some of the things he's done, but he signed James Bradbury, who's been terrific. He signed Blake Martinez, who's been, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, guys, because very rarely, I'm not a big believer in you sign guys and kind of like import a leader. You know, I think leaders have to be developed. This guy walked in and became a leader, and he did it through Zoom which is like virtually impossible. He's among the lead leaders in tackles. He just gets it. He and the defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, they work together a little bit in Green Bay. They are like thing one and thing two. You know what I mean? They have, this, they have one mind, and they just share it. Um, everything the coordinator wants, Blake Martinez gets. So he is the classic inside linebacker, set the defense up, and he can make plays. Um, he's a really good player, and um, they they uh, think they got a steal for ten million bucks a year for Blake Martinez. He didn't exactly fit with the scheme in in Green Bay, but he's perfect in uh, with the Giants. If if this was a normal year and he could hold court at his locker, I think he'd be a big star. Um, maybe that's coming next year. You know, the the there's been a few special team coaches, obviously Harbaugh being one of them, very successful head coaches. You know, Joe Judge, I'm, you know, it was a surprise hire. And, and, and maybe his toughness nowadays, you know, got uh, overblown. But, you know, just talk about that transition. And, you know, has everybody bought into his system and, and his leadership, you know, whatever, I don't want to say ability, but his type of leadership? You know, I think this special teams thing, I think it's very interesting because, you know, I don't like when you watch these head coaches, right? And they got their head buried in, especially the offensive guys, right? They got their head buried in that laminated sheet in front of them and they're looking up and they're calling the plays and they're radioing in. And I'm thinking to myself, can you put your eyes up and watch the whole darn game? You know, get a feel for the game. Joe Judge has never been an offensive coordinator. He's never been a defensive coordinator. He doesn't have his 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 eyes or his hands locked on anything. He's watching the game. He's coaching the game. Now you got to have a good coordinators to do that, and he, I think he does. Um, he's good. I I think he's done a good job so far. Yeah, he he's a disciplined, tough guy. He's not Bill Belichick. You know, he's not trying to be. Uh, a lot was made of the uh, you know the laps he made the guys run in training camp. Was way too much was made out of that. I think these guys have bought in big time. Look, they won three straight after a rough start. Yeah, Paul, these guys are battling. And when I watch film, another guy who I see battle is Evan Ingram. I think that if he was on a different team, he'd get a lot more love. What do you see out of Ingram? You know what I see and what you just said? I see that you're not in New York. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're not in New York. He He is not the apple of these fans' eyes. You know, don't forget he was a first round draft pick. He had a really good rookie year. He's been a tease. Uh, he's had some injury problems. 
Uh, he dropped a pass earlier this year against the, the Eagles that would have clinched the game for the Giants. Just a beautiful floater right in his hand. So uh, you're right. He had a big game last week, but he also was stripped for a fumble. So Giants fans are very mixed on him. They they When you mention Evan Ingram's name, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, he, he, he doesn't show enough. He's talented, but he's not a winner. So um, fans here have issues with him. I can see that is a that is a Seattle point of view. And it's not the wrong point of view. I'm just saying that's a fresh set of eyes looking at a guy who's got a lot of talent. But in New York, in New Jersey, people have some issues with him. Hey, well, Paul, you let those New Yorkers know when they're done with him, we'll gladly take him here in Seattle. He's got a job <laughs> out there. Look, I don't know. I had him on my fantasy football team two years in a row. and he, um, He's a killer. No. He, yes, that's, that's guys in New Jersey, guys in New York, and guys in Seattle who have them on their fantasy teams are not happy with it. It's all mine, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, there's been some disappointment. But when you watch him on film, I mean, he's he he does pop. I mean, he's he's a he's a tough matchup. Uh, as you mentioned, he's, he's a skilled guy that uh, probably is underperformed injuries, all that stuff. You know, he's what, also, by the way, he is a great guy. He was yeah. a, he was a tough stand up guy as a rookie. You know, I'm not in a position where you're supposed to root for guys. I root for Evan Ingram because he is a class act. He's a gentleman. He doesn't have a big ego. You, you want those guys to do well, and he is talented, so maybe he can put it all together. You, you lose Jones, you lose Barkley. You know, we mentioned a couple guys who are, are good players. And again, they, you guys, the Giants have lost some tough games. We, we were watching the film uh, earlier today, and we go, God, they're sound. You know, you, you got to go beat them. But talk about some guys maybe that uh, our listeners don't know anything about that are, are having good years. Uh, let's see. Well, I mentioned Bradbury. You know, I mean, I guess your listeners know a little bit about him. You know, I don't think he got a lot of publicity in Carolina, but he's to look. He's getting sixteen million a year, right? They 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 didn't go on the cheap for him. They paid him big money. Uh, he's terrific. I mean, can he hang with DK Metcalf snap for snap? Well, Darius Slay couldn't last week. Probably not, but uh, he's pretty good. You know, he's he's probably right at a Pro Bowl level. Um, you know, the guy, one guy who's been very polarizing in New York, Leonard Williams, first with the Jets and now with the Giants. Um, you know, he's on a $16 million franchise tag. He's been terrific. Six sacks, leads the team. He's in a salary drive here. He's good against the run. A good, solid player. He can make plays. And uh, they're two safeties. Jabril Peppers, the guy from the Browns, part of the Odell Beckham trade. Logan Ryan, who was uh, with the uh, Titans, was with the Patriots, was unemployed for most of the offseason till the Giants signed him. He is another one of those guys, instant leader, smart. The two safeties are smart, sharp guys. And so, uh, you know, that's on defense. And offensively, I think their offensive line is getting better. You know, watch Andrew Thomas, the uh, number four pick, the left tackle from Georgia. He had a rough debut in the NFL. He's getting better and better. I think he's going to be a really solid player. There is one guy coming back. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Golden Tate. We're uh, we're interested yep. in to see him. Uh, we wish you could be here. This COVID thing sucks, and uh, wish you guys were traveling and would have liked to have had a beer with you and talked a little more about uh, a couple of the players. 
to Seattle. I've covered playoff games there. I've covered Giants games there. It's beautiful. That facility with the the lake or the river running through it. It's uh, it's um, yeah. I mean, it's what we do. You're supposed to go to games. You're not supposed to sit home and watch them. But uh, you know, God willing, next year we'll all be doing it, right? Well, Paul, we appreciate your time. When I think of New York, I think of Taxi Cab Confessions, and you just hooked us up with one right there, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for staying up late. Have a good one, man. Anytime, guys. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, we chat with Seahawks defensive back Ugo Almighty right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey. Hey, Hawks Live right here on 17 ESPN. We're broadcasting from Lumen Field. Me, Michael Bumpus, with my right-hand man, Paul Moyer. Let's not forget NASA Chobi on the ones and twos back there. All right. Coming up next, we got Ugo Amadi. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good, man. Thanks for joining us. This is the first question I want to ask you, Ugo. You're from Nashville, Tennessee. How did you end up at Oregon? What got you to go to Oregon, man? Man, it's so funny you ask that because literally my teammate DJ Dallas asked me that after practice. Like, how'd you end up all the way at Oregon, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee? Well, uh, long story short, I had a, just a crazy recruiting process. I've committed Ole Miss, a senior year of high school. Things didn't go out well between me and Ole Miss. I ended up whipping some Ole Miss. No, I ended up decommitting some Ole Miss and signing with LSU, John Chavis, and, um, Next mouth came to my my house in my high school when I decommitted from LSU. I mean, from Ole Miss, and they came to my house and talked to me, and they they gave me an offer, and I committed there. And then after I committed, 24 hours later, uh, John Chavis took the DC job at A and M, and then I was like really stuck in between like what college I I should go to because I'm already graduated high school early, so I'm not home at this point, and I'm just flipping through schools like Tennessee didn't want me. Um, and uh, that was gonna be my that was gonna be my option to go to. LSU didn't want me. We wanted to go to Tennessee. They were like, "Nah, we can't take you." And then I started looking at the other doors and other teams. But I was already done with your class. And then um, my trainer, you know, he texted uh, Jim Harbaugh's assistant at the time in Michigan, and he said, "Hey, I got this four-star DB in student program. Are you gonna take him or give him an offer or a visit?" And he gets a text back and says, oh, I'm not such and such, but I need DBs bad in this class. And that text message, I still went, from, went to Oregon and not to Michigan. And that's how I ended up at Oregon, by, what you say, by a mistake or accident. <laughs> Wait, so so you went to Oregon sight unseen? You never visited it and committed? Never visited it. It was a sight unseen, like a blind date. They, when I when I committed there, they sent me like a Twitter video of like what Austin Stadium looks like, and it was like you could move your phone and you could do like a whole 360. Like they sent me so many links to what the facility looked like. It was like crazy. It was like, I was just, I fell in love through my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't show you downtown Eugene in that video, did they? <laughs> nah, no, 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 everything bright colors, Jordan this, Nike that. <laughs> no, it, it it is often. Um... A, a head scratcher for me. Bumpus went to Washington State. I went to Arizona State, which you should have went to, by the way. Um, and 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 my best friend went to Oregon, and he always talks about Oregon. I've been to Eugene a million times, and I get the uniforms and I get the facilities, 
But I go, man, they're not taking them down to downtown Eugene. There's, there's no way. I never quite got the understanding of that part. But, um, you know, it was a good choice for you because Lombardi Award winner, you know, unbelievable college, you know, career. And, and now here at the Seahawks. I'll talk a little bit about Nashville still because, you know, that is SEC country, which is amazing. I went to Nashville for the for really the first time this year to visit it. I've been for football games and stuff, but um, that, that place has grown up quite a bit. Is it, is it changed since even you've been like in high school? Cause that is a growing town. Yeah, that place is still growing. Uh, downtown's getting even bigger. You know, a lot of people are having a bachelorette party there in, in Nashville. And, you know, last year we had the draft party there. So Nashville is definitely a place for people to come and visit. Even my DB coach, Nick, he named his child after Nashville. His, name is, his son's name is Nash because he had a fun time with his wife when they were in Nashville when he was, during his playing days. So that just goes to show, like, how, how, how such a good time you can have in Nashville. It has become a little bit like Vegas. Broadway Street and, you know, with all the bars. Is, is there a, a favorite yeah. place for you there? Um, I, I really would go to Broadway and like, since I've been coming back, when I left, when I started coming back in, uh, in college on my breaks, I would always go to the Gulch. The Gulch is like a really nice, like high end place where they have the restaurants. Like it's just a different scenery than the Gulch versus Broadway. <laughs> okay. One last question before I let Bump ask you some football questions. All right. So, Cause Nashville is country. Now I mm-hmm. I know your favorite song is from Lil Baby Freestyle. So country, you yeah. got any country in you? No, nah, no country in me at all. Man. Okay, uh, I know people people assume that, but you know I see why, so I can't blame them. But no, uh, <laughs> I heard Lil Baby playing too. I, I, I thought it was my phone playing huh? music, but it wasn't. I, was like, I heard it. <laughs> By the way, that was my pick for you. Just want you to know, not bumps, not I NASA. I'm taking the credit. There you go. I appreciate that. That's love. Hey, 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 Ugo, we're learning Paul. We're learning him. You know, we're getting him right. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> so he can okay. hit the block and hit the eye. Right, man. Each one. Right. <laughs> yes, sir. Each one, each one. Hey, man. So you played safety at Oregon. How how you feel on that nickel spot? You selling in because you're looking good, man. I, I feel comfortable with you out there. You're always in the right spot. You're making the plays. How you feel on that nickel spot? Um, I feel like I'm just it's starting to grow on me. I'm starting to slow down my mind and, you know, and be able to react to what I see. And I feel like that's my strong suit. You know, whatever I see, I react like a thousand miles per hour. And that's pretty much is what's been uh, getting me and putting me in good places. You know, just slow my mind down and let stuff just come to me. It is it is a jump, you know, that rookie year to your second year. Things seem to slow mm-hmm. down. But I, I've been watching you in coverage and – you know, I've always thought you—you know—you have the quickness. You know, you have the ball skills. You read the quarterback well. But what do you? What are you more comfortable in, man or zone? I I, I really feel comfortable in both, to be honest with you. And I always, you know, you know, we're such a zone team. But I also prepare myself every week to play a lot of man. That's just me because I never wanted to be at all comfortable with just uh, I want to be able to do do everything, you know, so the coaches and my teammates can trust that uh, whatever call we make, you know. We will be able to, you know, handle that, handle that situation. You know, with Jamal Adams, uh, the trade, you know, and obviously you guys blitz a lot with him. Uh, you know, last week, mm-hmm. I, you know, you guys played zone. You played man. I saw you guys uh, disguise some things where you dropped in the deep half a couple times. Uh, I don't know if you guys were zone blitzing it, but you know, dropped Jamal down, I think, and you went to the deep half. You guys, are you doing a lot more this year? Is it, is it different for you than compared to last year defensively? Yeah, we're definitely doing a lot more. We're definitely disguising 
you know, blessings coming from one way, or you may think I'm blessing somebody else's blessing, or I'm blessing somebody else may act like they're blessing. So I feel like this year is definitely a year we got in, like we got we got in the chemistry down. Uh, we're starting to play play fast, and you know we're starting to be athletes, starting to be real bad players. Hey, Ugo, one of the things that I appreciate about not having fans at the game is that I get to hear the chatter on the football field. And this defense, man, the last couple of weeks, the swag is different, man. I'm feeling it. I mean, does it feel different out there? You guys kind of finding your stride and figuring out who you are? Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, we definitely find our swag. Um, you know, we're, just, we're still chopping the wood every week, you know. We, every week we have a reason to get better. We have something to work on to get better at, you know. And, you know, we're definitely coming along. Russian coach is definitely coming together for sure. You know, we we heard about we've all who played this game. We've had player meetings when things aren't going right. You have team meetings, and you know, a week ago you guys had this accountability meeting. Um, what, what did that mean to you? What what was uh, you can answer that if you want. Is that food? The, oh no no no, you good you good. What accountability? You know I me. Mean? You said, you said, what does it mean to us? Yeah, what did it what mean? Did it what mean? did that meeting mean? What, why was why did Pete think that was a different meeting than ones he's he's been a part of? Um, I feel like that that meeting is uh, what do we need is what we needed. Um, um, it helped us, you know, come together. Uh, you know what we need to work on and and make sure that we can count on one another. You know, that's the biggest thing too. And uh, I feel like that meeting was necessary, and that's what we needed to do. Ugo, you're one of the, the younger guys on the team, but you had a year without COVID. You had a year with COVID. Um, are you blessing these young guys with some knowledge of how to stay in? I mean, you're, you're at the age to where you still want to go out, you still want to do your thing, but you, you, you're required to be responsible right now. What's your role in this whole situation? Uh, my role in this whole situation, especially talking to rookies, you know, is just talking to them uh, how to handle themselves off the field. You know, it's different you know, because of COVID and everything. So you really have to protect the house. You know, you got to make sure you could uh, uh, bring in those white people around you, you know, because we want to keep everybody, you know, COVID-free, you know. And so far we've been doing a good job at it. And, you know, the rookies, you know, um, they can always hit they start, there's something called the rookie, the rookie block where, you know, after a certain week, you know, the rookies start slacking and all that stuff. But you can't do that because they're not used to playing two college seasons and one, and one season in the NFL. So, you know, it's just uh, motivating them that and making sure they continue to pick up uh, where they started. Uh, rumor has it your favorite movie is The Longest Yard, but I need to know because that's one of my favorite of all time. But it may be a different movie. Is it the original or is it the one with Adam Sandler and the latest one? You know, I, need I had to, to have know. Adam Sandler. You know, it's crazy. I, and we were in Philadelphia. I watched that movie twice in one day right before the game. Did you? <laughs> I love it. But that's crazy. a good one. That's a good one, Ugo. Hey, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. And uh, 2 eight man, get it done this weekend. We'll be rooting for you. I appreciate y'all for having me again. Thanks, man. All right, coming up next, we got you covered with all things Seahawks and the NFL. As a professor, John Clayton joins us next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9, right here on 710 ESPN at Lumenfield. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Paul Moore. That's what do we got? What do we have? That's Brickhouse playing in the background there, we go. there Paul. Brickhouse. We're getting funky, so you know we're going to John Clayton. John, how you doing, man? I'm doing funky good. <laughs> funky, funky good, good like it should. Like oh, you got bars, John. We're going to make you a rapper here sooner or later, John. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> hey, John. Um, by the way, I'm tight with Little Wayne. 
Are you? Are you? How's well, that? not really. It's like, I've, I've, <laughs> I've tried to have him on uh, School with a Professor, but he's he always kind of having a little cigarette and uh, not getting a chance to call back. But back back in the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, I was walking out of the ESPN party, and there was this big disturbance in back of me. And I'm looking back, and it's like uh, little Wayne is trying to jump a barrier trying to get to me. And it's like because uh, he was doing some interview stuff for ESPN, and so it's like he wanted me to come up there. And so it's like I did. We sat there, and you know, uh, everybody was walking by saying, what's the geeky white guy doing with, uh, <laughs> with little Wayne? John, I'm going to go on a limb and say that was not a cigarette he was smoking. But <laughs> I, I was trying to be polite about it. Let's and, get and John, by the way, they call me the geeky white guy. Too, so, so you're in good company. Yes. All good. John, what are your thoughts on Trey Flowers? Now, he's filled in for Quentin Dunbar. I think he's done a good job. He held Hopkins to five catches, 50 yards. We didn't call his name much last week. Overall thoughts on Trey Flowers? Yeah, I think he's done good because I think what they're doing is they're allowing him to go back to what he does the best, which is do some more man, you know, because he's good with his hands. He stays with the receiver, all those different things. And I think sometimes it gets a little bit messed up in zone. So I think the more man he plays, the better it is. I mean, I look at him as particularly with that big, long reach as being somebody that, uh, you know, can carry a guy from the line of scrimmage, you know, 10, 15 yards downfield. And so I think the more they allow him him to do that the better now what you worry about is that he's got the hamstring injury that's kept him out of practice the last couple of days and so he may not be able to play but you hope he does but again the key for this team right now is getting as healthy and as talented as they can for the ram game because again they're taking on three more teams that they should be able to beat but uh you know you don't want to lose too much because right now the secondary particularly at cornerback is thin i want to talk defense but I'm going to make a little detour first because the news today, Josh Gordon uh, is going to be allowed to play the last two games. And just one, what does that mean? And two, how does that whole pro- – why, why are they waiting till two games – before the season, if, they're, if they've made the decision, why can't he play next week? Uh, because, well, they, they, it's usually a two-week period on the exempt list before you can come once you come off a of suspension. Because particularly now, I mean, he's going to take him five days to get tested with the COVID uh, tests and all that. And so then it gives him a week to kind of, you know, see how he is in shape and all that. And so that's kind of the way it is. And, you know, they, they did the same thing with Randy Gregory, only they let him know earlier and got him more public. I mean, this was the most quiet thing that you can have. I feel for, sorry for Josh. And I hope that when Josh has his first interview that he opens up and says, hey, tell us what happened, because no, the league's not going to say anything because of the union. And that's you know one of the policies that they have to stay quiet for the most part until the suspension is either given or lifted. And the team's not going to say anything, I guess, out of you know, better minute for him. But obviously things didn't go right for uh, most of the first 13 weeks. But now apparently he's done enough to be able to do it. Now, I know in the offseason, particularly when he started to apply, there may not have been enough t- testers out there because of the COVIDs to be able to test him. And so that could be a problem. But, uh, you know, you might, he might have had a couple tests. He might have done something wrong. That one we just don't know. But for the Seahawks, it's great to get him back because you get particularly in the last two games, which is so important, the Rams and the 49ers, you know, he's going to be a great asset. And also then he can be available for the playoffs. You know, not to beat it too much because, you know, sometimes the NFL, you're just going, you know, the decisions they make. But obviously things don't just fit in a box. Do you think, let's just say it, it's nothing major maybe it was it was just marijuana it do you think it was just the number of times that he had issues it, it, rather than the actual event i guess 
Could be, but also remember, when he got the suspensions, and I say plural, last year, he had one that was for the uh, substance, which you figure is going to be marijuana, and the second was going to be for a PED. So maybe it's not out of the question. He got a couple PEDs. Maybe he got the marijuana. Maybe they – but again, one thing is with the marijuana, they, they're not – penalizing that anymore that's just a fine so i don't know if he predates things i mean there's so many loose issues in this right now that josh if you're listening make sure you kind of explain it to us all so we all understand who knows what's going on john who knows let's talk about russell wilson now the last couple of weeks he's been a little conservative when it comes to i guess his decision making do you feel like not being in the mvp race has kind of allowed him to not feel like he has to force the ball down the field. Well, I, I think that uh, you know he kind of learned from the three out of four games where he had the ten turnovers, and so I think that uh, you know just to concentrate. But also think about what he's had to go through. I mean, first two weeks in the Arizona game, he had to play with uh, Damian Lewis at center, and Damian hadn't been at center since junior college, and so here he was making a quick transition. And you know you can see he was a little bit shaky on it. Did as good of a job as you can expect for somebody that hadn't done it since junior college, and so you're you do this and of course here they're playing a good Philadelphia Eagles defense that has a good pass rush and you don't have your right tackle Brandon Shell and so that became a little bit of a problem and I think that you know the big thing that he wanted to make sure is like okay what's more important right now the MVP race where he's still in the top three he's probably you know behind uh, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Patrick Mahomes right now but he's still good enough right now to be in the top three and he can still finish strong particularly if he gets wins and touchdown passes to be able to still get that MVP, but I think what he's more worried about is keep the touchdowns up and try to keep the turnovers down. John, is this the first year he gets a vote? Well, he always gets a vote. It's just a matter that and that's a misinterpretation because you know I'm on the AP 50 and uh, you know what it is is that uh, they only put out the winner. They don't put out the votes. And so because of that, uh, you know, it looks like, you know, he's ignored. But usually what happens, and I know one of the questions that was asked me today was, okay, so what are the main criteria? Well, certainly wins and being a number one, number two seed for a quarterback is the, the one of the most important. And if you have a lot of touchdown passes, that's the most important or a lot of stats. And so, you know, the, you figure whether it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, whether it's going to be Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, you know, the, the quarterback with the most wins I think has the best chance to be able to do it because remember you vote at the end of the season you don't vote into the playoffs you're not taking any of the playoff games into account you know that obviously the defense struggled early in the year last three and a half games pretty good actually if you average it out they're under 300 yards a game uh over that that time frame and they've had some guys get to play i mean dj reed got to play uh you had uh, uh ryan neal got to play when jamal adams was hurt now you got ugo amadi back um just talk about some injuries here one where's quentin dunbar and when he comes back, does he take over the starting spot? I don't think he takes over the starting spot. It depends on who's healthy and who's not. Like, for example, if Trey Flowers is still nursing the hamstring injury, then it would go over to Dunbar. But uh, you know, technically, what Pete was saying this week is that he's healthy enough right now probably to be able to play, but they put him on the list for three weeks, and so he needs one more week to serve, and so he should be back for the, for the New York Jet game. But I think that, you know, uh, but he's definitely set right now for the Ram game. How much he plays is going to be depending on how that knee is and how well he can do. 
John, the 49ers found a new home in Arizona. Are you surprised that Santa Clara did not make an exception for this team to play football? I am because it's pretty strict, but then it was really the county that did that, and that's why Stanford and a couple of the other colleges had to lose their ability to practice and their ability to uh, have home games. And so that was more the county than anything else. But they've been so strict, and you know, there's still a little resentment right now between the San Jose politicians and the 49ers, and that's a little bit of a problem. But right now, I still like the story that Kyle Shanahan said, for the three weeks you're going to be in Arizona, this is going to be a bonding thing for the team. And he looked at him and says, you know, he kind of scrungled a little bit. He says, no, it's like <laughs> after the Saints game, what we ended up doing is having nine players, like almost like eight or nine players or a bunch of players having a 30-minute dinner together. And nine guys got on the COVID list because of it. So, no, there's no bonding going to be in this three-week period. John, real quick about uh, Dunlap, just a quick update. What do, what do we know about him? Oh, right now, I, I, I think it's going to be shaky because he's got the foot injury. He hasn't practiced the last couple of days. I think they're going to be cautious about it. But Pete Carroll did say he does think he has a chance to play. So I guess we'll see what he can do tomorrow and then what he can do in the pregame warm-ups. All right, John, my favorite time. It's your time. What do you want to talk about? Well, I tell you, nobody's asked me about some of the Pro Bowl voting right now and where the Seahawks stand. And so the list came out today that the fan vote, and right now the DK Metcalf is third, second in the NFC, right behind DeAndre Hopkins. Russell Wilson, of course, number two overall. Uh, you know, you got Tyler Lockett at the eighth pick, but he's like the fifth pick in the NFC. You know, right now the best special teams player is Belor. He's uh, right now at the highest vote. That's kind of interesting. You know, Bobby Wagner's obviously in here. Here's one that. Uh, Quint, uh, De- De- DeAndre Diggs uh, is right now number two uh, as the free safety, so he has a chance. You know, Jamal Adams is going to be in there. You got Michael Dixon as the number two punter, uh, and so uh, Jam- so I think they're going to come out pretty well in the Pro Bowl. It's not going to be like eight or nine, but they're going to do great. Dwayne, Dwayne Brown right now is number five in the voting, so he has a chance to maybe get into the Pro Bowl. So there's some things we can count on, John. We can count on Seahawks being represented in the Pro Bowl, and we can count on you keeping it funky, baby. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, John. Makes my funks a pee funks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Okay. Thanks, John. All right, has the NFL figured out Kyler Murray? Is Tom Brady the problem in Tampa? It's about to get live. Paul Moore and I will talk that talk coming up next on Hawks Live.